thank the Lord we get the opportunity to visit with one another, tell some truths, not yet censored, and reunited with a whole bunch of friends on Apple Podcasts. Good to be back with you. Just this past week, in fact, on Monday, I got on the phone with a buddy of mine, Zach Abraham. We were just visiting. And Zach told me something. He happens to be the chief investment officer of Bulwark Capital. He told me something I didn't know. And that's hard because I'm in the news gathering business. The Federal Reserve broke the law in a major way. And it is affecting small businesses. It's affecting 401ks. It's affecting the economy. It's nasty. So how do we respond to this? And by the way, how'd they break the law and to what level? And what are their cronies doing in the housing markets? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is, in fact, the day the Lord has made. And these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Times such as these require from us a decision. We either accept the unique sets of responsibilities the Lord is handing to us, or we say no. Saying no is a decision, too. God is the God of freedom. He is perfectly fine. People making their own decisions. He's also the God of uh, responsibility. And he doesn't, in fact, vote. He controls all the governments. He doesn't vote. He doesn't create policy. He informs it. He's turning to us in this time of choosing. You know, as we've been reunited with a whole bunch of friends on Apple Podcasts, and it is so good to be back with you, and I've missed you. And I want to thank everybody who's been early adopters of the new podcast. And they would take the show. We took the show private and we, we had a long time. The, the radio station I was on in Seattle was so kind to us to allow us the dignity of saying goodbye the way we did. I'm endlessly thankful. That's so rare. I just thank KTTH just from the bottom of my heart for that. Um, in Seattle, I am well experienced with this, this class of people called the smuggle. And what smuggles are is smuggles are people who vote for insane leftist policies and are uniquely unaffected by them. They, they have, it doesn't affect their lifestyle a bit or their income, et cetera, unless it's in a positive way for them. That you take that and times it by a thousand or 10,000. You, you have the Acela corridor. That's the, the New York to DC train that the express train that all the rich people ride, all the, all the mobbed up mobsters ride. You take that and multiply it by a billion and you get up to the level of the, the major organizations that have installed the Great Reset. And my, my friends, you can, you can, people can say all day long, no, oh, it's like they did when uh, two years ago or a year and a half ago, when I had people in talk radio tell me, don't talk about the Great Reset. That's conspiracy theory stuff. And now what do we have? We have Biden's people saying build back better. We have the media that pretended build back better was not a thing saying the thing. Right. They're saying it. And, and now we're, we're to act like they're the same media who said, oh, this conspiracy theory about build back better and great reset. It doesn't exist. Now they say the thing. And this has had effects in our the way our kids are being taught. You know about that critical race theory. You know about that. Obviously, the hoax response to real virus with COVID. We have about that. But in the background of COVID, 
there was a crime committed. I was completely unaware of the crime. And that's embarrassing for me. So I wanted to bring onto the show someone who is absolutely aware of the crime. So I turned to a friend to inform us about the crime. Right, joining me is my very good friend, Zach Abraham. He's the chief investment officer at Bulwark Capital. No one knows more about what's going on in the capital markets and your risk and also has the advantage of being a godly man. Uh, Zach, welcome to the new podcast, The Todd Irma Show. Hey, Todd, it's a pleasure, man. I'm, it's still funny when we do stuff like this because I still remember sitting in my car listening to you thinking, you know, I'd like to meet that guy sometime. He's a, <laughs> I like his show. He seems like a good guy. And, and here we are. The right? truth, you're like, my gosh, how does he pretend <laughs> to be a good guy on the air? What the heck? He's a good actor. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's putting on a show, people. Yeah. You actually a have a, a very successful radio show of your own, uh, Know Your Risk Radio. And um, I want to just start with, and we'll get into the fundamentals of the economy as they've changed. I just, I think the Great Reset started in March of 2020. I think we're seeing the after effects of that. Um, but I want to ask you, how does your uh, faith play into how you manage money for people, Zach? You know, that's funny. You that's the second time in two days that I've been asked by asked that question. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something that that I don't talk about a lot on our radio show, and and the reason why is because. I'm very sensitive to using my faith as a marketing ploy. I also don't want people to think that because I'm a Christian uh, and I love Jesus Christ, that we're going to get them better results or that God gives them cocktails. Right. God doesn't give so much. <laughs> God doesn't give uh, stock tips. And I know it, Todd, because I've asked. <laughs> so, um, it, well, God really is at the center of everything we do. I, I uh, he literally has built our firm. Uh, three of our employees are past our ex pastors and current pastors, right? This is not their full-time profession. Um, and that wasn't intentional. It was just kind of bending the knee and just letting God build it and getting out of the way, you know? And then um, as far as on the management side of it, you know, I think that as Christians, obviously being a good steward, especially steward of others, uh, you know, of other people and other things, you know, I was telling one of our guys the other day that, you know, we manage about $400 million. And whenever I sign a new client, I get a pit in my stomach uh, because yeah. you know that they're handing you their life's work, you know, and if that doesn't bring you some pause and also motivate the heck out of you. And I, I know you, you know this, but you know, we do a lot of out of the box type things and we're active managers and that's a different deal, uh, than, than the vast majority of firms. Why? We just feel like in these times, we got to have a greater level of control to, to shield our clients from the craziness. Cause I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it is either. Either it's so funny that you mentioned marketing ploy. Uh, using your faith is that I've well, since we launched the podcast at ToddHermershow.com uh, or the ToddHermershow.com. We've had so many people offer to donate to us, wow. um, and I've been saying, you know, wow, that's incredibly kind. We're going to build a subscription service. We want you to support the advertisers we bring on. We're going to build a subscription service that's going to have a whole bunch of extra stuff in it. But man, please give your money to the church, your church. Um, it, I, I just get scared to death um, of, of ever, you know, using faith in a marketing way. And you mentioned, you know, things not going back to normal, uh, or maybe this is just the new way things are. What, as you look at this, Zach, at, from a Bulwark Capital Chief Investment Office perspective, what are right now the biggest risk factors uh, for our common listeners? 
You know, it's, it's, a, um, I, well, first of all, just right from the top, I think that w- one of the biggest things people have to do is they need to get bonds or anything that is interest rate sensitive out of their portfolios. And, and it's not because it's, it, and it's not because Todd, that I'm trying to give you a warning that those things are about ready to lose you 50% or anything like that. It, it's because when you look at them, the probability that they will be negative real yielding assets over the next 10 years. And what I mean by that is the amount they pay you less the inflation rate, right? That is sharply negative right now. If you own bonds, you are going backwards. As interest rates rise, those bonds will begin to lose nominal amounts of money, meaning not just on an inflation basis, but on, a, on an actual basis, they will begin to go down in value. And, and the other reason People are like, well, what if, you know, what if inflation doesn't come back as hot and interest rates don't go up like you think? And I go, great, then you're going to make one and a half percent, right? There's one of the reasons they're so unattractive is there's absolutely zero upside. So I I think a, that's number one. I think that B uh, you know, you need a bigger level of, of diversification because the answer is not to take that bond money and dump it into your stock portfolio, right? This is the most over levered S&P 500 in history. It's got a record level of debt on the corporate balance sheets. You've got record valuations. You've got record earnings. It doesn't get better than this. Now, um, one of the things that we talk about, though, in an inflationary environment is that things can get a lot crazier. You know, if you told me that two years from now, the stock market was double what it is now, I would not be surprised. And it's not about would it be worth it, right? It's about if I have a 50 gallon receptacle and I am filling it nonstop with a fire hose, it's going to keep running over the top, right? It just, that money's got nowhere to go. So what you really need when you look at the, you look at the economic backdrop and then you look at the market, traditionally you'd be like, oh my goodness, sell everything you own. Prices are about to collapse, right? Then you look at what the actions of the federal government and the federal reserve are. And you're like, they're not going to let it happen. And people go, oh, well, they can't stop it. Yeah, they can, right? They can, they can just destroy the value of the currency, which makes everything go up by default, you know, and, and Todd, to a large degree, it's been going on for 15 years. When you look at the last decade since the financial crisis, that was the weakest. We, we had the weakest decade of growth. People talk about the weakest rebound. How about the weakest decade of growth in history, including the Great Depression, but the S&P went up 350%, right? What does that mean? You don't need economic drivers to push this higher if you're flooding the market with liquidity. So what you've when, got- When you say liquidity, just uh, people say things like that. And Zach, that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. And I think I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. I think Good. it's a whole bunch yeah. of cheap money that isn't real money. Yeah, I mean, that's one way to look at it. Okay. But, but then but then last, you know, last March, they took it a whole step further, Todd. And this isn't this isn't hyperbole. I want people to know that whenever I say things like that, if it's an opinion, I'm going to tell you if it's a fact, I'll tell you it's a fact. This is a fact. The, the Federal Reserve last year broke the law. The Federal Reserve mandate clearly states verbatim that the Federal Reserve is only allowed to purchase securities from government entities or government-sponsored entities like Freddie, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They bought over $800 billion worth of corporate debt. Okay, so they're buying, they're, they're replacing assets in the market, right, with cash. That's what effectively is occurring. 
Well, what does that mean? You're decreasing supply of securities. You're increasing supply of cash. What does that do? It pushes asset prices higher. So let me ask you a question because I assume that they didn't go around and and buy up the debt of small hardware stores that have been destroyed, <laughs> right? So, because the the great reset, we're going to go through and, and kill these small businesses with this, uh-huh. you know, I consider to be an unbelievably hoax response to a very real virus. But okay, they didn't go buy small mom and pop restaurant debt. Yeah. They 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 didn't buy mom and pop hardware store debt. Yeah, they went and bought the debt of great big companies. And they, these guys all know each other on the boards. Is that an overstatement? No, it's not an overstatement. On top of that, they bought about $1.2 trillion in mortgages, which is equivalent to 10% of the mortgage market. So they, no, it's, it's not an overstatement. And Todd, it's even more nefarious than that. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, uh, whatever that means. Right. Um, and, and I have a joke, which is we're not conspiracy theorists because conspiracies don't pay well, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. They don't pay well. Yeah. And, and our job is to manage money. But here's the deal. Two of the biggest firms last year, uh, well, this year, two of the biggest hedge funds in the world are Bridgewater and Citadel. All right. Both of them employ ex-FOMC members or Federal Open Market Committee members uh, on their board. Bernanke, I believe, is it is it uh, is at Citadel. And I'm forgetting, is it Greenspan that was it? Nah, sorry. Um, anyway, but there's another FO, a prominent FOMC member that's, that's, uh, green Bernanke's getting paid three. I want to say three, I want to say it's three to three and a half million a year to be an advisor to, to Citadel. Okay. Bernanke is the guy that said in 2006 that the issues in subprime are contained. What I know is that Citadel did not hire him for his market expertise. Okay. Right. He, nobody's got a worse forecasting record than the Fed. So what did they hire him for? Well, if you look at Citadel and Bridgewater, they run some of the biggest risk parity strategies in the world. You're going to explain that. You got to explain risk yep. parity. You got. OK, because I heard you say um, that these are uh, risky uh, things. He's about to get subprime. He said the risk of subprime has been subprime has been contained. Here's what I hear in my marketer's mind. I hear you saying they hired Ben Bernanke to say that. Well, no. So, well, I, I'm sure that he was getting leaned on to say that in 2006, yeah. right? What okay. I was saying that was to illustrate the fact that a hedge fund did not hire him because of his forecasting ability, <laughs> right? You know, it's, it's yeah. not like he's some, some great investor. And as a matter of fact, if you ask any seasoned investor, the last guy on earth you listen to is an economist. Right. So, so I laying the premise, but then explaining, okay, here's kind of what was so nefarious to me about them buying corporate bonds. So both of those hedge funds that are two of the biggest hedge funds in the world, Ken Griffin runs Citadel. He's set a record for making over a billion dollars for 10 years straight. I don't begrudge him that, right? Not, not saying there's anything wrong with that, but, um, so they pay millions of dollars a year to have these ex FOMC members on their boards as advisors, right? So they're running risk parity strategies. What a risk parity strategy does. When we think about levering up an account or adding margin debt to an account, right? Juicing it. People always think about doing it to the stock side of the, of the deal. Well, Ray Dalio in the late eighties said, Hey, why don't we lever up the bond side of the portfolio and go with like 40% stock? And the idea was, is that when stocks go down, bonds go up. So the levered up part of your portfolio will actually be going up in times of crisis, right? Well, that worked beautifully until 2008 when stocks and bonds fell more than 25% in the same year. 
right? So, I mean, yeah. it, worked, it worked really good for like a 30 year period of time. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we go into, we go into, um, now these guys are still running these risk parity strategies with these levered up corporate bond portfolios. You go into, you go into COVID and bond yields crashed or they soared, right? I mean, bonds crashed in price. You had, you had corporate LQD is the largest corporate bond ETF in the world. ETF. It lost it, it, an exchange traded fund, yeah, like okay. a mutual fund, right. right? So it's just a big mutual fund yeah. of, of investment grade. So good quality corporate debt. Yeah. It was down 22% in five weeks. Okay. So those guys were levered up that stuff. The Fed, right, stepped in and that's what they broke the law to purchase. They bailed them out. And what I'm saying is, oh. and, and, and everybody's like, what do you mean they bailed them out? And I go, I don't know. Why do you think they're paying three and a half million dollars for Bernanke? They're not paying him for his forecasting ability. They're paying him to get on the board with the FOMC members in crises and tell them to step in and bail them out. And they did. They broke the law and bailed them out to the tune of about $860 billion. Okay. So folks, please understand this, that, that as I talk about the great reset from a socioeconomic perspective, I don't have Zach's anyway. <laughs> he, well, he's drinking water. Zach's forgetting more <laughs> about finance than I'll ever learn. Um, and, and to that level of detail, but I've observed the game and the game is right. Some people win, some people lose. We're going to go purchase how we're going to purchase mortgages. Okay. Now we're the big mortgage holder. Now we're 10% Zach of the market. Hey, we're going to decide what the mortgage rates are. We're going to decide what the laws are. We're going to create this, this, and this is me, Zach. This is my opinion. They told us you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah, so when we said. start distorting the housing market and saying, Hey, we're going to build rent only neighborhoods. Um, and now the business market is what we decide to put in your homes. To me, that's a, you know, in other words, hey, well, we don't have Fox News in that home. And hey, here's your rental service. And it's like living in an airport. If you enjoy the choices of bottled waters in airports, you'll love it when big capital owns the neighborhood in which you live. That's me. That's not, yep. Zach, that's me. Um, but there are opportunities in this, even as these guys are breaking the law. And look, they don't go to jail. That's for little people. Um, we know that there's not a real laws. There's, there's laws for little people, suggestions and hand slaps for the big guys. There are opportunities though, that Zach, that we need to take people through. Um, I'm not your level and never will be, but I called you a couple of weeks ago and said, am I too late on futures? Um, because of the supply chain issues that have been either uh, organically arisen. There's not enough truck drivers, not enough, drive, enough hours, the, the mandates for the injections, all these things colliding. Um, what other opportunities, and if that's still an opportunity, what other opportunities exist even as these gangsters are breaking the law? Well, you know, one of the things that we think about is, um, you know, being a student of financial history, when, when anytime you see a bubble, um, you know, I, I'm sure that you, you and I will have fairly similar opinions on George Soros. Okay, not a big fan. Oh, wait, wait uh, sorry, we don't talk about him. <laughs> Yo, I'm sorry, he who shall not be named. the Fox News rule. He who shall not be named. Okay, so Voldemort yeah. is, we'll call him. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, uh, but I study, I've, I've, I'm incredibly uh, intrigued by these guys because you can say whatever you want about George Soros and probably a lot of it's true. Yeah. Um, but one thing you cannot say is the man does not know how to manage money. I mean, he's one of the best to ever done it. Um, and you go back and look at their quantum fund that he was running with Stan Druckenmiller. I mean, the returns were ridiculous. Those guys yeah. were amazing. They broke the bank of England. Everybody knows the stories. Um, <clears throat> he, he writes a lot about in his book, the alchemy of finance um, ab about markets 
um, oh, geez, I'm just blanking out right now. But but markets basically the, the uh, his theory of reflexivity. Right. So he's saying that markets are reflexive is in that. And you and I have both seen this, that markets typically go up because good things are happening economically. Companies earnings are, are going better. Right. But eventually the trend gets in motion and markets continue to go up because they've gone up. Right. And as they go higher, more short sellers are squeezed out, forced to cover, which is more buying. Right. It is a reflexive cycle. Then it hits a peak, turns over the other side, and then it does the exact same thing to the to the downside. Right. So he's saying that we, we think of markets reflecting actual value all the time. A lot of times they're just being reflexive and carrying trends. Right. Um, so I so I think that we are in a stage now where I think the reflexive trend that we've been in for the last really 30 to 40 years, where the primary threat in the economy was uh, inflation or excuse me, deflation, right? I think you've turned that curve. I think that, you know, everything we look at, Todd, you look at minimum wages, you look at social security increases, you look at government spending, you all these, all these things are inflationary, right? Incredibly inflationary. And one thing, a huge opportunity that we see in markets right now over, and I can't tell you what it's going to look like in a month or six yeah. months or whatever the case may be, but is energy stocks um, and, and energy investments, natural gas, mainly natural gas and oil um, for a few reasons. A, uh, they're not drilling any more holes. Okay. And the reason they're not is because it doesn't economically work in the shale area that's blown up twice in the last 10 years. Um, and then the other reason is federal lands, which aren't nearly as big a deal as people think, but even federal lands have been blocked off from drilling. But the biggest reason they're not going to drill, Todd, is because they got absolutely obliterated last year and they don't want to spend the capex and shareholders are holding these energy companies to account so unlike a periods of times in the past whereas oil goes higher there's increasing supply that isn't happening this time and it's not going to happen until oil gets a lot higher okay so morgan stanley put out a 125 dollar call on oil next year um, I, again, you know, forecasting is for the birds, in my opinion, who knows, I think it could well go a lot higher than that. Um, natural gas, I think is great long-term. It's extraordinarily volatile. So Todd, you brought up futures. The one, the one, um, caveat I would give people, if you're playing with futures, be very careful, manage your risk, know what you're dealing with. Those are leverage play on, on, no, on steroids. Just hire you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could do that. Yeah, you could do that. Like, uh, like you, you say, be careful. And uh, the degree of monitoring uh, that you guys do uh, and the degree of knowledge you have, like I, I may go buy some oil on a futures basis, but I'm not going to pretend that I understand all the levers you're talking about because uh, Zach, I think we have a manipulated economy. I think we have a manipulated media, right? I think those guys play together. Oh. I think that there's pump and dump in this stuff. I think oh. Wikipedia has pumped and dumped. And that means we're going to pump up a class of assets or a specific stock even. And it's going to get high and we're going to get out. Making money on the media pumping up. I mean, look at the Pfizer, Moderna stocks. And that's all built on taxpayer money they've extracted, I mean, you're seeing a what thousand percent increase in returns for those companies while well, we carry all the risk, right? So this is time. This is and by the way, Zach, I've never asked you about your faith before, not because I'm shy about asking people about their faith, and I know you don't use it as a marketing tool, and it would be a sin if you did. Um, but this is why I think people also need to look at are people I'm working with godly, 
for real, because you're not a guy that's going to go out and steal from people. And we're getting stolen from. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. the, 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 the prime minister of New Zealand just said the most amazing thing. Well, this, this era of, of mass vaccination never ends. There is no end point. She, she just said this. There is no end point. I, mean, so, I, can't, I can't say I'm surprised. Right. I mean, you could buy, I guess, Pfizer and Moderna, but when the lawsuits do come, I don't want to participate in that. So I want to ask you this because uh, people get people hear about futures. And I know I've taken a lot of your time. Zach Abraham, a chief. Uh, investment I'm enjoying officer. it, man. Fire me away. Too. Oh, yeah. me too. Um, do you ever recommend any physical assets? Because, oh, yeah. Okay, because you may have noticed I live in the uh, the high hills of free America. Yeah. Uh, we do some barter up here that we don't talk about too much sure. in public because it's taxable. Yeah. Uh, but do you ever look at physical assets, particularly in times such as these, it says in the book of Esther? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I was thinking about this on, on my drive into the office this morning, thinking about our chat. And I, I think what, what people have to be aware of, and I think, a, I think this is a message that is really uh, finely tuned to your listener base. Cause I know I'm well, I, I, I've, I've been a listener, right? Uh, so, so the, the one thing people need to do is just, just have a, have a grain of humility and hear me out here. Yes. Gold is not a catch all be all inflationary asset. Okay. That, that with the will gold go higher over the coming years. I'm virtually certain. Okay. So I think having physical gold. I also think owning gold stocks. I hear a lot of people, Todd, talking about, no, you got to own the physical because they'll shut down the market. And and I go, guys, if things get that bad financially, your gold isn't going to matter anyway. You'd be better off on (laughs) guns and canned food, right? Oh, uh, did you say guns and canned food? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, so owning gold miners is great because you're going to get a levered effect off of the gold miner stocks. Typically gold miners move uh, uh, four to one to the price of gold. So if gold's up 25%, you'd expect to see the miners up a hundred. So the reason I like it is it lets me play gold in my clients' portfolios, but I don't, I only have to tie up a little bit of money to to have the same impact as a big one. Um, So I think owning physical gold or or the gold miners is a good idea. Um, I think having some silver on hand isn't a bad idea. Um, I, I think owning land, right? A, a, now variable you're to me, you know yeah. this. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, one of the things that um, <laughs> one of the things that that you know, and it's no surprise to you, is that it's it's better to look at what these investors are doing as opposed to what they're saying, right? The biggest landowners in the country now are Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, and okay, specific so, sorts of land. Yeah, farming land, right? Food supply land. Yeah, right. That's an inflation hedge. Right. Well, but there's some other things too. It's Bill Gates saying, um, I think people uh, in developing countries can continue to eat meat. Uh, but uh, in, in, in established countries like America, uh, we're going to have to go to the synthetic meats and uh, you get used to the taste and we just have no choice. Wow. Yeah. Does yeah. that sound familiar? Like we don't have any choice. We need to shut down small businesses. <laughs> so I get to speculate because I don't have a reputation as a, as a manager. You're a fund manager. I tell you, he intends to choke the beef markets and the poultry market out of existence by owning these farms and these, these carbon trading credit schemes. Yeah. I, you know, the, 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 I, I look, that is an, when you look at what he's doing, it's impossible to argue again. Now I'm not saying I know you're right. I don't know you're right, but what you're saying is factually accurate. Meaning there's only so many conclusions you can draw, right? Yeah. Bottom line is 
in, they think they're buying it because they think it's going up. Right. And I think that people have, I think crypto has, has blinded some people. We also own a little bit of Bitcoin, Todd. Mm. Why? Cause we, we, you know, what you need in this, what, what you really need. Okay. In this, you need a portfolio that if the bottom falls out, you have a parachute. It's got a, it's got some type of protective level in it. Cause when you look at all the underlying craziness in markets today, guys, anything can happen. Okay. Yeah. So you need something that's got that protection at the bottom. At the same time, you cannot sit in bonds and cash because you're freaked out. You've got to have a portfolio that can rise with inflation, but has a trap door, right? Has a net underneath it. Um, and I'm not saying this is a plug, but here's what you need. Last year during March, market dropped 36%. The, the portfolios we manage for our clients, the stock portion of their portfolio was down 11 and a half. Okay, last year we finished with a 21% gain, market finished with 16. That's what you need. You need a portfolio that will turn the 40% loss into a 10 or 12% loss, but can also still get market returns. Now, you're not going to do it every year, right? But you need both because the outcomes really are endless. But I will tell you that you ask about real assets. To me, I, again, I don't know what the glide path looks like. I don't know what the timetable looks like. But when you look at their monetary policy, when you look at governmental policy, land has to go much higher. People are like, oh, it's already rallied a lot. Compare it to financial assets. It really hasn't. And Todd, people are talking about real estate here in the state of Washington. This is a little interesting tidbit for you. Um, everybody's like, oh, it's in a bubble again. I understand why people think that, but hear me out. In 2007, housing peaked at two, the, the median home price in the state of Washington peaked at 200, or excuse me, at $309,000, okay? The average mortgage rate on that home was 6.49%, all right? And then you look at where we're at today, the median home price in the state of Washington is now 390, all right? But the average mortgage rate is like 2829. You do the math, even though the price of the houses today are nearly 30% higher, the mortgage on that home today at 390,000 at 2829 is about 1500 a month. The mortgage on the house at 309,000 back in 2007 was 1950 a month. So you're still 25% below the mortgage prices you were paying. And guys, we all know this. Not many of us write a check for a house. Most of us buy a payment. Yeah. Right? Like I always joke around and say, when was the last time you heard a 35-year-old couple out there and the guy's like, hey, honey, we're not going a dime over 519,977. <laughs> right? He doesn't say that. He goes, we're right. not going to go over 2,500 bucks a month. Yeah. So I look at land and I go compared to financial assets Guys, I think it's going a lot higher. The other thing is, is don't be surprised to see 1% or lower 30-year mortgages. Yeah. And it, then it, I, I would just add this, that, that we have the advantage in free America of, uh, with, with the exception of the property tax, which the government has wisely decided you never really own your land. We actually have <laughs> private property rights here. You guys in Washington State, the separate country of Washington State. Wait, you don't... You don't what? have property. You don't have property tax. No, we have property tax. I said, with the exception of property tax. Oh yeah, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No one really ever owns property uh, because you have to continue to pay the property right, tax. Right. Right. But but the governor here, as as much of a rhino as he is in Idaho, has not come along and said, actually, you can't charge people rent to stay on your land. Unbelievable. And has not done that. <laughs> you guys have a dictator that said, huh? Well, you just can't charge people rent any longer. And uh, I yeah, think but he's, he's tried- a he's a dude. Doodler, though. Well, 
<laughs> you, I know where you learned that. Well, I'm a doodler. Uh, how do people? Yeah, your show. Yeah, how yeah, do people? Yeah. Oh, we're going to do this, by the way, once a week with Zach. Um, I don't know anyone more um, willing to speak about the the realities and and uh, the faith portion of this. And let's remember something that I view it this way, Zach. Our money as we wrap this up. Um, I don't have any. I have no money. I have no land. I have no house. Right. I have no podcast. All these things to me. This is my view. These are all gods. Yeah. And I get to steward them. And the Bible is filled, filled with conversation about money. Jesus Christ spoke more about money than anything else. Mm-hmm. And um, very specifically, our responsibility of being good um, tithers. He did speak of that. That is to our churches and and to the church. I'm also taking care of the least of these. Let's make sure that you know we realize that if you don't feed the hungry, then you're not feeding Jesus. But also on, on, on getting returns, right? We are called to be wise stewards so that we can give to our churches and give to our communities um, and primarily to feed our families, right? The Bible is very clear. If you fail to work to feed your family, you are in deep trouble with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there's nothing, uh, there's nothing unchristian. There's nothing immoral about seeking proper returns and doing it in a moral way. And I think, Zach, I think so many people in your industry, and I have very good friends who are competitors of yours. um, But in this case, I go with you because you so openly speak about this stuff. Um, I think that we're in a time, Zach, where we need to be wisely looking at this this money as God's money, stewarding it wisely, because there are people in your industry who've just, as you've explained, they break the law. They have completely lost the thread, mm-hmm. not just in fiduciary duty, but on following laws and frankly, on, on well, to be honest with you, on, on not being evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about a high bar here, right? Right. Right. I mean, you know, look at their involvement with the Epstein's and to, I, you know, and Todd, we're only, I mean, we, we could talk about this more on, on another segment, but we were just talking about the tip of the iceberg. I love this. I love what I do for a living, but if people had a full understanding of how much nonsense and how much yeah. fraud really goes on, you'd be shocked. You'd yeah. be absolutely shocked. I was on a, a board once or a panel once with a senior executive from Google. I said, you know, I really admire your company and what you've done technically. I also love that you guys created this mission statement because somewhere, someone in your company was going to work saying, what is it again? It's uh, don't be evil. Oh, don't be evil. Oh, yeah. okay. Right. Then they changed that to, uh, I'm, I'm joking here, but you know, they did change evil. it. They did change it. It's <laughs> well, no longer what? in their corporate statement. anymore. Oh, don't be evil's gone. Yeah. Yeah. They oh. took it out. All right. Well, so that, that explains things, right? <laughs> it was We're, too, it, it was too culturally restrictive. Too restrictive. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How do people get in touch with you? Uh, Bulwark Capital? Uh, you can go to uh, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com, knowyourriskradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at, at KYR Radio on Twitter. We post, you know, financial research and stuff that we think is interesting. Um, yeah. So, and just, I just encourage everybody to don't buy the hype, be careful, be wise. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, protect yourself on both sides of it, the inflation and the, and the nastiness. All right. So I may or may not have some, uh, some guns and uh, ammo to go trade in right now. I mean, <laughs> just tell them to wait. I'll be right there. Don't let them touch the ARs. I, I am not, I am not a gun or an ammunition owner, Todd Herman. I'm disgusted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Zach Abraham. You join us. Go with God's good grace. You bet you too, pal. I think he was being a little bit sarcastic there. I think Zach might actually own I'm just, I'm not going to speak on his behalf. I've known him. I just think he might own some guns. You think?
whole bunch of feedback we've been getting on the new format. I appreciate that. So good to be reunited with our friends on Apple Podcasts, websites, the ToddHermanShow.com. And that's the biggest thing you can do if you dig the new format. Just share it with 10 friends. Just pick people who like Rush. God rest them. They might remember my name because I got to fill in for the band. ToddHermanShow.com. On the topic of feedback, uh, this is the, the subject line. Thank God for my 14-year-old boy from Dave talking about yesterday's episode. Or pardon me, uh, I get confused in podcast land. Yes, Thursday's episode, um, which was about, well, we had two of them, but he's referring here to the episode we did, The Best Time to Live that this is the very best time in which to be born and to live because it is a simple choice. God has provided a binary decision and he is, he is calling the herd and he is allowing, I think he's allowing Satan to run a test run. I think the injections are, it's a great big test run and who's willing to resist this stuff. And a whole bunch of people are failing. And incidentally, if, if you feel like you failed, if you got injected and you're fine with it, well, then you're fine with it. And that's you and you get to be a grown up. And if you got injected and you regret it, well, then don't get the boosters. And well, I'll go back in the, and I'll, I'll debate COVID with any, any doctor, anytime, anywhere, any scientist, anytime, anywhere, anywhere, anytime. Because it's just data. It's, it's easy. You know, I can assimilate complicated information and grow to understand it and put it back in, in communicable form or communicatable form. That's what I do. Uh, so on this topic, then we talked about the fact that in this time of choosing, it's, it's the party is changing everything. The party is changing the definition of everything. The party is making it very, very easy. And that's one of the reasons why it's the best time to live because God is counting on us. We have the greatest opportunity ever to show people the stark choice between human gods and God Almighty. So Dave writes, today's episode was moving. I've been thinking this for the past three months, but I'm so glad God gave us a boy and not a girl in this time. I know this sounds completely ungrateful, but my brother-in-law is going through a divorce, has two daughters, his youngest is 15 and is likely going to transition to a boy or whatever. Last week, a close friend who is my son's best friend for life and her daughter, she's also going through a divorce, is currently an outpatient psych facility in Napa, California, and got word to us that his 13-year-old girl is also now going through the so-called medical transition. I don't understand the war against femininity. People here in the West Coast are, are, are waging. I can't get my mind around it. My wife works at Bainbridge High School as a librarian. She's on the front lines of this, and she gets paid good money to facilitate the lie. She'd also call, you'd also call her a, uh, she's also what you'd call a smuggle. Having lived in Manhattan for 14 years prior to us getting married, I do think she's starting to realize that this garbage is dividing families. I love this show, even if I'm not a Jesus devotee, not that I'm offended. I do believe in a Christian God, but not well versed in Bible stuff. Have a great weekend. Keep up the good work. Kingston Dave. I appreciate you, uh, Kingston, uh, Kingston Dave. And incidentally, I don't know the Bible as well as I should. And I am working on that, and I'm, I am running through a sprint course with my pastor who's helping me with this. The, the, the war is this, Dave. The war is against truth. That's it. Like, you break truth in people's mind, and people cannot then, they, people can't communicate to one another the truth. 
The war is to break the nature of truth. It just is this simple. Is that a dog or a cat? It's a dog. Nope. Because it identifies as a cat it is. But that's not true. Nope, it is. Science is settled. Shut up. You're a racist. And that's that's the game. It is a mind-breaking effort. Tied into a huge money scam. Those girls, 90% of those girls are going to regret the heck out of this. There's tens of thousands, tens of thousands of girls now who would like their bodies back. Thank you very much. But like Big Pharma never pays the bill. They're not going to pay the bill on this either. The game is to divide. Who likes to divide? Satan does. Satan has a business model. Right? A brand new one. And, and Big Pharma with this stuff is tied straight into that. Feeding that. The sexual left feeds loyalty to the party. And look at all the shiny shoes who are afraid of this topic. Shiny shoe Republicans absolutely terrified of this topic. Do you know what would happen to their elections? If they actually told the truth about this, they would win everything except in California, New York. Maybe, well, I mean, yeah, California, New York, what? Massachusetts, maybe. New Jersey, maybe. They'd win everywhere else. If they just told this, if they told the truth about what was happening to children, appreciate the note. You can write to us at the Todd Herman show.com. Uh, this from Jennifer. Hello, Todd. I love the new format. I've been following you since you first appeared on KTTH. I used to listen on the way home from work with my ch- small child in tow. He's 10 now. And to this day, remembers listening to you. That's a mind blower. Wow. That's crazy. I've met uh, lots of listeners who's, who, who allow their kids to listen to the show. I had lunch with a, um, with a family, mother and her two kids in, in Spokane. And the, she let her kids listen to her. Her son is a huge fan. It's a great family. It's a mind blower that you ten, he remembers listening. And that was the afternoon show. Wow. Thank you for that. So Jennifer continues. I was raised by a drug addicted mother who grew up alone on the streets with her big sister, She was placed in girls' homes and abused by Catholic nuns many times. As a result, as a young child, I was not allowed to go to church or learn anything meaningful about God. I was raised in the early 80s and had a a lot of freedom at a young age. So in the summer, I used to sneak down to the little church down the street and attend the AWANA. I was curious about Jesus because according to my mother, he was a waste of time. I remember being happy there. I remember being doubtful. Then one day, an older man on the streets of Seattle gave me a Gideon's Bible. I was eight when my parents divorced and confused. I remember the day I asked Jesus into my life, eight years old, sitting alone in my room, holding that little Bible. I was crying and asked Jesus if he was even real. Then I opened the Bible directly to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He literally answered an eight-year-old girl in real time. I've loved him since, and although I have strayed many times, I always find my soul resting with him once more. I left the, quote, church many years ago because I was so angry at hypocrisy and injustice, and I found a lot of that within the church. This leaves me, leaving has resulted in me seeking God's word through podcasts and online. You've always said that you're not qualified to preach, and I want you to know that it is not education that makes a man qualified to preach. It is his heart and a willingness to trust in God. You've always been qualified because God has called you. Whether you know it or not, you've been a pastor for a long time. 
You wear your heart for God on your sleeve for all to see. This is what makes you qualified. I appreciate you so much in this time of choosing. I often feel as if I'm failing, but that's much longer email. I'm desperately trying not to become the anger. With God's help, I hope to prevail. Good luck and God bless you, Jennifer. Wow. Well, how brave you were. This, there's no cost in an eight-year-old kid, you know, these days becoming angry or sexually promiscuous or, you know, uh, becoming gender defined. There's no risk in that. I mean, long term, yes, to them, their health, their mental health, their physical health, their existence, their, their relationship with God. That's the risk. But societally, no, that's brave. You were brave. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the rebel. That's the crazy thing about, about people who choose to distort who Jesus is. Well, who Jesus was on earth as man and God, fully man, fully God. Who choose, he, was, he, was, he was a rebel to everybody. There was not a group that was, that was really happy with him except the people who met him and, and, heard him and heard him preach. And even some of them, well, tried to kill him. Judas tried to get him killed. And well, succeeded for three days. And then God said, no, no. You didn't, you know, uh, he said he was going to come back and he did. He did. But, but he was a rebel in every sense. People who wanted a military leader were disappointed. You're not a military leader? No. Some trust in, in chariots and horses and armies and some trust in God. I'll choose God. He wasn't, he, he, he was, he was in, in every single group. People weren't happy with him, except for the people who experienced him. And then they began to understand. What a great note. Thank, and by the way, Jennifer, I, it saddens me that you, um, and I, that you walk your path. It just saddens me that you don't have a church home. It does. And, and I hope that you can develop one. I really do. I think that's just key. And it's hypocrisy in churches all over the place. All over the place. Because we're human. The fact is, being human, that means that there's always going to be hypocrisy. Hypocrisy has existed forevermore. Forever. And forevermore will, because we're flawed. It's, it's one of our flaws. I get to do a music review wrapped up into a personal note. That's cool. Doesn't happen very often. Remember, you can go to the ToddHermanShow.com, share the show with friends. It's the only way we're growing right now. If you share it with 10, if you share this show with 10 friends in one month, we'll be the top podcast. I'd appreciate that. So on a personal note tonight, um, the reason, one of the reasons that I so love music is because I so love my dearest friend. He is a brother to me. His family allowed me to live with him when I was uh, coming out of uh, my first year of community college football and my last year dropped out of college. And they're the people who taught me what it is to recognize God and respect God. And, And later I became a Jesus follower and then a Jesus needer. And I will talk about that. But one of the reasons I'm so committed to continuing to make music part of the program through these music reviews, which is legal from a licensing perspective, as I work on the licensing, I keep saying with ASCAP, I hope that that next week, meaning I can bring the bumper music back because that was a huge part of the radio show. I want it to be a part of the podcast. One of the reasons I love it so much is because I get to remember times with my dearest friend, Matthew. And going to shows with him and the way I met him, I've told the certain the show before was so remarkable. I was supposed to beat him up. I was, I was supposed to beat Matthew up because he was this guy came from the big city, came from San Francisco and he had all these concert shirts and everyone thought he was a liar that he's a, he was a poser. He didn't have these concert shirts. And I just asked him before I beat him up. Hey, where'd you get the shirts? And he said, Oh, my dad's in radio. 
I'm really lucky. I get to go to all the concerts. That, that makes sense. Well, where's your dad in radio? And he told me. Oh, my dad's at uh, Krem FM and they're turning it into the KZZU. And uh, what? They're going to change KZ Krem FM? Yeah, it's going to be a morning zoo format. And, wow. They're ruining a great radio station. He said, I know. I know. I like the way it is now. So we became the dearest friends and um, I feel adopted into their family. In fact, I, I identify their parents as my godparents. And in fact, I am here today because Gary, being around Gary, taught me what radio was. But he also taught me what it is to be. He helped teach me what it is to be a father. He helped teach me what it is to be a man. He's helped teach me what it is to work hard. He did all these things. Matthew taught me aspects of music I'll never, ever ever be able to have. He he taught me what it is to have a gift from God musically. And he taught me so much about bands. There's this band that I want to do someday a special on the least understood bands. There's a band called the jellyfish and some of their members have put out side projects and they're like lead, lead songwriter. Andy Sturmer was a producer and made then anime videos in Japan. So bizarre. These guys were the tightest musicians that ever existed in rock music. I am firmly convinced of that. No one could play tighter. No one had tighter harmonies. No one better did a better job of lifting the Beatles and then combining the Beatles with Super Tramp and then combining that with Badfinger and somehow coming out making it sound unique through a San Francisco lens, like San Francisco Northern Rock lens. No one did a better job of, of taking songs that, that you would hear on record and say, there's no way they can play this live. No way they can pull this off live. And they put out like three records and they disappeared. And we got to see them in a small club in Seattle. And man, music royalty was there that night. There were people from Alice in Chains there. Kurt Cobain was there. He, Kurt was sitting there. And, and he was, he was at that point had become a sort of established royalty. So you couldn't get near Kurt, but the posies who I still love, they were there. Like I said, Alice in Chains was there. There were guys from bands, Seattle bands you've never heard of like uh, young fresh fellows. And they were all sitting over the hipster section. We got there early and the, this was incredible because the jellyfish, we got there and we, we heard them rehearsing and it was garbage. Like they were off time, the, the harmonies were off, it was, they were flat. And we just thought that's, oh no, oh, I knew it. No one can do this stuff live. And this was at the Ballard Firehouse. If you're from Seattle, you know what I'm talking about. It was the last night or one of the last nights the Ballard Firehouse ever, ever had people in it. I got there early ahead of Matthew and I was there when the band started bringing their own gear in and Andy Sturmer walked in tiny little guy. He was unique because he was a drummer and the lead singer, tiny little dude, red hair. And I just opened the door for him because he had his stuff. And at the time I was wearing suits and ties. It was part of my job. I opened the door. I said, Hey, Andy, nice to see you. And he said, Oh, hi. What? Oh, Hi. So he turned out to be, I think, maybe he's just tired. He's on the road a long time, but I think he just hated suits. But buddy, maybe that's why you disappeared from the music scene. Maybe you weren't nice to people. But I got to see that. But sitting there with my best friend, realizing these guys can't do it live. 
Like we were, we were not even supposed to be in the building. That sinking feeling. But then these guys got on stage and they did it live. It was insane what they could do live. And I watched the music royalty shaking their heads. I watched Ken and John from the, the, the posies just what you can do that. People can sing this way live. They also put out a song that shouldn't have been the single, but it was. It's their most famous song, and it plays into politics, which is why I wanted to share it with you today. Um, the song has a bit of a dirty lyric in it. You'll hear it. It's, it's suggestive. It's not dirty at all. Apologize for that up front. But it is also about the, I think of this, and I hear this, and I think about the figurehead. I think about the figurehead in the White House, and I think about what he actually is. This is a song called The King is Half Undressed. The band is called The Jellyfish. And maybe if Andy was nicer to people, they would have been around longer. live music royalty sat in astonishment the show ended the jellyfish said goodbye they came out for a couple of encores they said goodbye the club was emptying and my best friend a great great christ following catholic a great honest young man stole stole a stool from the ballard firehouse he said we gotta go run and here we are running out of the place with this stool because uh, they were going to tear the place down. So his his mind was, well, now we can have the stool. They were going to destroy it anyway. They're probably going to sell it. it. Was this great wooden stool that became our songwriting stool? And so when we sit together, we write songs. That was the stool, and I realized that I watched a man who had such gifts for music. Here's how gifted he was. We had our guitars with us when we went to the show. I was driving when we left. Matthew got into the back seat uh, and pulled the guitar out from under the stolen stool, picked up a guitar. And within 10 minutes, he was playing songs like this. All the jellyfish songs from memory in the car. We put on the CD and it's spot on. And yes, he, he, he worked really hard on his music. But God gives us talents. 
and this to be multiplied and you have one. And I've heard from many people saying, no, I don't have one. You do. Your talent may be being peaceful. And if your talent is being peaceful, draw others into the peace. I've had people say, I'm just a bookkeeper. You know what? No, you're not. You're an honesty maker. You are a keeper of honesty. You're keeping financial honesty. And you're helping people be honest. And you're keeping people employed. So multiply that. Multiply being an honesty keeper. Take those skills to the church. Take them to a prophet that serves to build the kingdom or a nonprofit that serves to build the kingdom or a profitable one. Everybody has a talent. Some people hide theirs. Don't. Most remarkable thing about my dear friend, my brother, is he put his talent away. Put it away for many years. Because he had a commission. And his commission was to be a father. And you go down the road of six, seven, eight kids. All of whom are living beautifully balanced lives. One of whom is considering buying the family house in which she grew up. That talent, that love of music, it's still there in his children. It's still been handed down. But he decided to take something else, which was a talent for self-sacrifice, to put aside that ambition because what mattered more to him was stewarding the greatest gift you will ever have on this earth. And that is that child. And they never stop being ours, do they? I was in the store, a little store in a little town of 600 people the other day. And a woman just thought to mention to me, today, she said, would be my dad's 107th birthday. 107th, I said. I said, do you still miss him? She said, every single hour of the day. This woman's got to be in her 70s. And God bless her for remembering that. Because we are always parents. And we are always kids. And that's the greatest of the talents God gave us to multiply the kingdom. This is the Todd Herman Show. We so appreciate your support. Please share it with friends. Go be well. Be strong. Be kind. And please do be right with God.